buscado un mejor destino para ti, lo que viniera de ti. Hello and welcome to the Inside the Journey podcast. This is episode 16 for Sunday, August 18th, 2013. I'm Nelson DeWitt. John Younger is getting married this weekend, so he's clearly not with us, but we are the team behind the documentary film Identifying Nelson Buscando a Roberto. So last week I left you with a bit of a cliffhanger, so today I'm just going to jump right in and give you part two of the interview I did with my parents about my adoption. If you are just joining us and haven't listened to part one, you should definitely go back because this interview won't make sense otherwise. If you are interested in listening to the interview in its entirety without breaks, I created a version of the interview which can be found on iTunes. Um, that is a complete 40-minute interview, and uh, you can listen to the whole thing straight through. All right, let's get right into it. Here is part two of my adoption story. But then we got on the plane. We knew where we were flying to. We did not know where we were staying or how long we would stay. We got... Uh, interestingly, obviously, it was a nervous flight, needless to say. We didn't know what our child looked like or what we were going to be confronting. And one of the stewardesses must have known or talked with us. I remember that. And she was related to Lisette Sandoval. Yes? Yes. Saying Lisette Sandoval was the attorney in, in Honduras for adoptions. And she was doing the adoption, a young woman, a lawyer, who herself had adopted, as we learned, and she was doing the adoption for Mr. and Mrs. Negroponte. And she said, oh, yes, I think she said, my aunt will mm -hmm. be waiting for you at the airport, which, made, which relieved us a little bit. We got through the process. We got through the controls. And sure enough, Lisette was there. Mm -hmm. She took us briefly. and this was, Everything was dry. We remember it was a, a long drought that Tegucigalpa was going through. It was dusty. She took us into town. And we stayed briefly uh, the early evening with another American family until she could make contact. And then we stayed, then we were taken over to a villa two blocks from the embassy, a real significant villa, and lived with the Maxwells. They wouldn't mind yeah, so saying many, that. No, so many, in, in the case of many international adoptions, as I understand it, people sometimes have to go to the country and be there for a oh, long well, time. Yeah. Or they go once, they see the child, and then the child is either still in an orphanage or sometimes in foster care for long periods of time while additional paperwork is done. And then they have to return to the something country. Sometimes children are brought by organizations to, to, the US. to the U.S. and the parents don't go to the It can be very different. But often, families, at the moment that they know the child will be released to their custody, do have to go to the country of origin and stay there sometimes for about a month or six weeks mm -hmm. or something like that and stay in a hotel. Um, we didn't know. We, we, we ended had up no staying idea. at the We stayed with this family. At the request of Mrs. Maxwell, who uh, uh, Mr. Maxwell worked for USAID. We stayed with the family. We had a large room. They obviously had servants. They spoke, had three kids. Who, uh, we're wonderful. Yeah. We've had a long relationship with them. So there we were on Friday evening. And it was too late to see Nelson because we couldn't see him until we saw the judge. But there were elements to those three weeks that were all as, as strange as the initial contact. Um, things that I don't think are going to be in your book. 
either. And that is, I worked at, a, at an institution run by Catholic nuns, a women's college, Regis, lovely place. And they were all, of course, excited to hear that we were going to adopt. And the president, Sister Therese Higgins, whom I worked closely with as the chief financial officer, said to me, I'm going to put you in touch with a nun from a different order, not Sisters of St. Joseph, who has taught in Honduras. She got us together, the nun came over to our house in Wellesley, and when she started talking, you realize how complicated this was. She explained to us the political situation in Honduras, which was dicey. In, in many respects, it was still the remaining banana republic in Central America. It was run by, it had a president as a figurehead, but it was run by a strong man, much like Noriega ran Panama, named General Alvarez. And she wrote us a letter of introduction to this man, should we get into trouble, even though that might be a double-edged sword. So there were a lot of hidden dramas, not knowing what we might confront, could this be a problem, um, but there we went. So it went very, very quickly, but I, it was anxiety-producing. Yeah, I have a sense that that kind of thing impacted you more, more sure. that I was doing a lot of the sort of just legwork of rushing around and getting all the yeah. things that yeah. had to be done, plus thinking, okay, what do I need? Do I need yeah. diapers? Do I need, you know, collecting things yeah, to take toys down. And crayons we needed and clothes. A, we said we need a stroller. We need this. We yeah. need that. And so, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't thinking that much. But I had more Later. of those contacts yeah. because I, because through the nuns, we learned a lot about the political situation. Honduras was a name. We knew where it was, but we had never conceived of going there, so we were not up on the politics. We brushed up on the politics. Yeah. We learned a great deal in those three weeks. So one of the things that I've, I think I remember hearing you say is that this was sort of a, a, a leap of faith on yes. your part. Um, oh, yeah. But well, how, I had always thought that when a, a play, you were offered a placement, you'd have this time to think about. You'd see a picture of the child. You'd yeah. have a medical you'd have sort of a sense of making a, I don't want to say a choice. It isn't like you'd go and you'd see a lineup and you'd say, oh, I want that one or this one, but that you'd have some time for reflection and maybe even you would bond through the photograph of, of thinking about. Yeah. We had no idea what you looked like. We uh, yeah. had really only somebody's word to go on that you were healthy. Um, so it was, but it felt right. It mm -hmm. felt like this is the moment. This is when mm -hmm. we wanted to have a child. We thought we were going to wait so much longer. So, yeah, why not? I, it just yeah. felt right. Well, we, we didn't agonize over no, it at all. No, we didn't have time, and we wouldn't have. We just said, Because we yeah, said sure. it was meant to be. Yeah. It was clearly meant to be. Yeah. You don't get a phone call at 9 or 10 at night offering you a child unless this was meant to be. So we didn't agonize. No, I don't we know if we're very religious, but we thought this could very well have been a message for us. We were not, we had said we would take a boy or a girl up to about age two or three, and that may also have helped us because most, 90% of all adoptive parents want infants. So there may not have been anyone in, in the pool at World Adoptions ready to wrestle with the idea of a two-year-old when you can get a baby. Or, we don't know. Or willing to take the risk of going to a country that the 
adoption service had, had no never worked, and they couldn't help before. us there. Even with the, I mean, while it was sort of mysterious, it wasn't all that troubling to me at, that the American embassy was so involved, because I felt that was somehow reassuring. You know, you're going off to a place mm -hmm. where your agency doesn't know much of anything, um, but you had the sense oh, there are people there who are knowledgeable about the mm -hmm. the laws and the courts and that there will be they will be there to help you. So if anything at that point mm -hmm. I didn't feel suspicious. No, I think the closer we got to the day, the higher the anxiety. Yes, because we didn't know because where we were we going didn't to be staying. Have, we didn't know where we were staying. We were literally flying into a country we did not know. No idea whether somebody would pick us up. Didn't speak the language ourselves. Didn't speak the language, didn't know we were staying and didn't know our child yet. It's not like we had bonded through a photograph. And perhaps in that sense, and we're not telling the whole story today anyway, because we're just telling the adoption part of it. Um, for me personally, the most dramatic part wasn't the phone call. It was going to the orphanage on Monday morning, driving out there, seeing this cinder block building, the windows had no windows in them, no glass. They had curtains. It, had, it was surrounded by a decrepit uh, fence, part of it off its hinges, diapers and clothes hanging on the lines, uh, not much grass, an area where the kids could play soccer or what mm -hmm. have you. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and our, then go into that and building. And Lisette had told us how much better this was a private yeah. orphanage. Yeah. Uh, they no longer... It, it, the SOS orphanage no longer uses this building. They have a, a very much better yeah, facility. It's, it didn't meet the kind of inner standards that... Yeah, it, but be. at that time, that was we it. We thought, oh my God. And when we had been told this was so much better we a thought, facility the than the state orphanages, and, and we found it actually a little shocking. Um, just the chain-link fence and the dusty mm -hmm. yard, and the kids didn't appear to be taken out of the cribs and allowed to well, run that around. We, but when we oh. saw it and we went in with her, yeah. and there were nuns in habits, white habits. See, I don't remember that. I do. Well, it's because mm -hmm. I worked with them. They were, or they looked like nurses, in other words. They had, or if they didn't have habits, they were in white and they had... A, a cap. Oh, well, I don't remember. And I do remember I that. Remember how they were dressed. And then Lisette gave them papers, and then she took us up there. And this this walk, from the day from the time we came into the building, an open area, and maybe a desk there with somebody sitting and doing the paper and walking up, will, will all I will always remember as one of the most stressful times because you're getting close to your child and what's the child going to look like and we go up a stair and we go down a long cinder walls are all uh, cinder block not painted very simple clean and you'd look into the left and the right and you'd see either latrines or you would see uh, children uh, in a room or cribs and then you go right to the end of this long hallway and we turn left into a room and all around the room were cribs. Yeah, the kids were kept in cribs. And then this, whether she's a nurse or a nun, walked to the opposite end diagonally from where we came. It was upstairs. It was upstairs. It was a, a opposite floor. end of this large room, 
picked up a child, you, and put him in mom's arms. And that, and you ended up giving him, we have it here, um, the Paddington Bear, which my president, Sister Therese Higgins, had <laughs> given me to give to you. You looked at it and you couldn't take your eyes off of it. You gave Nelson to me to hold and we thought, okay, we're going with you now. And then we were told we couldn't take you with us. We had to now, now that we had seen you and had held you briefly, and they, the nurses, I remember, said, Mama, Dad, you know, Papa, or something like that to you, but you didn't, you I weren't really we responsive uh, verbally, or we were kind of quiet, mm -hmm. and didn't, didn't do much of a smile, but you really latched onto this bear. And then we had to put you back yeah. in the crib and go away and go back to the judge and say, yes, we'll take him. And then we oh, had, that was hard. Yeah, and then we had to have a social worker come oh. and look that we weren't going to keep you in a hovel. Well, of course, it was a... It was a, a yeah, the social worker had to come home. and inspect where we were going to take care of you while we were waiting for the adoption procedure to take place. And in some ways, to make it contemporary, the story, given the tragedy with the Russian child, when we went back with Lisette to see the... Um, the judge again and had more paperwork and then connect with the social worker and go to the house and do all of that and then go back to pick you up. I remember saying, seeing all of this poverty, maybe we should take another kid with yeah, us. And right. you said, get a grip on no, yourself. I, said, I don't think I'm up to We're, this. And, you know, two at one uh, time. <laughs> but then we did pick you up. We were in the, uh, she had a uh, sort of a mini truck and we were all sitting in there. We stopped on the way to pick up her daughter from a Montessori school. Mm -hmm. And a friend. And mm -hmm. a friend. And then we drove back to this wonderful house we lived at where, um, where the Maxwells were waiting. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there were all these um, help there. And they could all, you know, were Everybody all embracing you. And we mm -hmm. took you to the backyard to sit around so you could run because you were pretty... You weren't so, you were a little chunky, but you were clearly healthy. Of course, you weren't always totally perfect. No, <laughs> no, you've had your, we've had you, every family. You started throwing tantrums right away. I said, my goodness, why did we ever say we'd adopt a two-year-old who's yeah. in the terrible I was ready to already. say when you <laughs> threw your first temper tantrum at the, at this, uh, the Maxwell's uh, house. The Maxwell's oh. house, say maybe we should return. <laughs> I mean, we were joking. Of course, but, but uh, yeah, it was stressful. Yeah, it was tough. Ooh, and you were... You had a ferocious temper. You threw yourself on the floor and you screamed for half an hour. And um, Mrs. Maxwell just said, oh, leave him alone. We thought they'd go through the roof. They were wonderfully tolerant. He'll get over it if you don't react. Yeah, and you always thought, oh, if we'd been in a hotel room. What would you do? Yeah, what would you do in a hotel? <laughs> I, I have some pictures here that I wanted to put up and just, you know, quickly say you know, what you remember, if anything, from, from these moments. Okay. Some family pictures, so you can tell us what you think here. Uh, so this is from okay. uh, the first day that, that we right. Yes, we yeah. had a crib in our room. Yeah, they had loaned us a crib. One of the children, one of, uh, the youngest Maxwell daughter, gave us her bedroom. And we had a bed, and you had the crib. And we had brought some stuffed animals and other toys. I have to laugh because there was a, a blue rabbit 
Yes, in, in the uh, in the corner there. I the think that right came corner. from the Hansons, actually. And I noticed in this article about the man who, uh, in the New Yorker, who had adopted this little girl, and their family had adopted the little, the first thing he gave her was a little blue rabbit. Mm -hmm. Again, when he yes. saw her the first mm -hmm. time, and she, you know, hung on to that rabbit. Mm -hmm. So you had a blue rabbit. And I think you're smiling in that picture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you were amazed. <laughs> the first thing we did before we actually took you home was to take... They, the orphanage wanted the old clothes you were in back. Yeah, we had taken and some clothes. And we obviously had colorful things for you to wear, tops and, yeah. and, and pants, uh, that made shorts. You smile. And it made you smile. You looked at them. You'd never seen anything like it. They were colorful. Well, we have one here. But the, yeah, but the shoes know. that we brought were all too small. Yeah, that's so right. So you were still barefoot for a while. Yeah, that's what we put you in. That's yeah, that right. was one of them, not the first yeah. day, but that was one of them. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, and you so fit into that. Yeah, and we, I have a picture of uh, here I'm wearing uh, Yeah, that's in the backyard at the Maxwell's yes. house. And I'm swinging you in one of those... Um, hammock. hammock swings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're laughing. You, I mean, you liked good fun, mm -hmm. and and you liked being able to run around in the yard, yeah, yeah, yeah. and kick a ball and things like that. Yeah, and you clearly were, uh, given that you spent so much time in a crib, you didn't you know were, how to walk upstairs, and no, but you, you could run around, and you very quickly became quite mobile. Yeah. Clearly, you before we left, you were pushing the stroller instead of being in the stroller. And we have that picture. Here. Yeah, right. There you are. Yeah, yeah. there he is. Yeah. So when we left a month later, we left the stroller there. Yes. We didn't take the stroller oh, yeah. home. You clearly sure. were not intending to use it. We didn't live far from a small shopping center, so we could go there every day because it was hot and go into air-conditioned areas, and you could go up and down the, the escalators and the ramps, and you had a great fun. And you were healthy. We took you on Tuesday to a Boston... Children's Hospital educated Honduran doctor who was taking care of Mrs. Negroponte's child. And she had uh, asked him to be available for us. And he looked at you and pronounced you healthy. You had some worms. You got some medicine. But other than that, you were in great shape. Yeah, you had to be treated for parasites. Yeah, but that that's was very normal. Common. And And even at the orphanage, they gave a little report about mm -hmm. your health status. I mean, we hadn't had one in advance. No. But when we didn't get a sheet, um, it wasn't so much a sheet, no. it's just a verbal report from the doctor. Um, yeah, but they gave me a little list of the, oh, of of the, the food that you yeah, had been yeah, eating. Yeah. Um, they told me that you'd been a difficult child. Yeah, well, we knew that. Because <laughs> you always wanted to be the first to eat. But yeah. that you were difficult, and we think it was because you were a survivor. You had these survival skills, you were, you were actually pretty healthy. So we have uh, we have this photo. Which oh yeah, is that home. that was the day that we left yeah. to fly back home via yeah. Miami. We yeah. had to go through another series of steps to bring you into the country. When we got to the airport yeah. in Miami, here's, here's our ticket. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and we had two. So June twenty fifth. Yeah. Right. June twenty fifth. We. And yeah. then this next photo is uh, probably one of the most I think yeah. compelling at least for yeah, me. Yeah, it is. It's we love it. There it is. Us on the front porch. Front porch of our place in Wellesley. You're dead tired. We're tired, but we're smiling. We're home. Yeah. <laughs> a remarkable story. 
And that concludes the interview I did with my parents about my adoption story. At the end of the interview, you heard us mention several pictures. Well, you can't see those pictures because you're listening to the podcast, but I've put uh, high-resolution versions of all those photos on the website, so you can head over to the show notes and check them out. Uh, of course, if you're listening to the enhanced version of the podcast, which you can get through iTunes, you, those pictures will pop right up and it'll give you a link to where you can view them in uh, greater detail. So that concludes the interview. And a lot of what we talked about today was actually in my mother's book, Missing Mila, Finding Family. Um, she goes into even more detail about the amazing journey that they that they went through to adopt me. And then, of course, they get into the reunification of my family and meeting them for the first time and then the history of El Salvador. You can grab a copy of that at missingmila.com. That's our show for today. You can subscribe to the podcast by going to iTunes and searching for Inside the Journey. We should pop right up and then you hit the subscribe button. That's the best way to get the latest episodes when they come out every Sunday. We'd love to hear from you, so head on over to Facebook slash Identifying Nelson and leave us a comment. And if you could do me a favor and just go there and congratulate John on his wedding. Uh, he got married yesterday, and I know he was super excited about it. Even if you're hearing this uh, months later, just, just head over and congratulate John. He'll love it. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to share it with anyone you think would enjoy it and tune in next week. I hope to be talking with my friend Clarence Smith Jr. about the challenges of storytelling and his project called Bold Edition. That's it for now. Thank you so much for listening and cue the music. Music.